the hand of God moving in such a forceful way and the Spirit of God being poured out here in unprecedented measure as we step into a new year, the Lord willing. But I also see it happening right now, and God is moving mightily. Please tell everyone that you can, if they want to meet with God and they want God to show up and, and transform their life, get to La Palma Christian Center. But I've got really good news for you. He's moving all around the world. How many are glad that God's Spirit is still moving all around the world? And today we get to peek behind the curtain of West Africa. This is where our missionaries are ministering. We have been supporting Randy and Becky Tarr and their boys for a number of years now. And um, they're hardly boys anymore, Randy. They're young men. Clearly, they're young men. And I'm um, glad to have your whole family. And there's actually some extended family. Would you help me welcome this extended family just before I bring Randy up? Nice to have you. It's great to have you here today. Randy and Becky serve as the area directors for West Africa in the Assemblies of God World Missions there. And their responsibilities include serving the American missionary families in the West Africa area through pastoral care, strategic planning, and relationship building with the national churches there. They are also involved in leadership training in Senegal where they live and also across all of the West African region. Becky is presently teaching at Dakar Academy, an international M2K, uh, MK school located in Dakar, Senegal. And they've been ministering on the mission field since 1989. I said to Randy before we came downstairs, I want our church to actually know our missionaries and get a sense of what's going on. I don't want to just send money. I want us to plant seeds and to see and hear the, the amazing re report of what God is doing there. So, Randy, it is so good to have you and your wife and your boys and extended family here. Would you help me welcome today our missionary, our hero, Randy Tarr. Assalamu alaikum. Mangelende yu chituru Yesu Christ sunyu borambi bu nekati asamam wai kimoi borom chitu kiyukumisa. I greet you in peace in the name of Jesus Christ, who reigns on high and on the earth below. Thank you for this opportunity to be here. Thank you, Pastor Steve, for allowing us to come. Thank you for your faithful support. In fact, in the Wolof language of Senegal, where Becky and I have been living for the last bit with our boys, there's a wonderful expression they use for thank you. They just simply say, Jedejef, which literally means uh, beautiful action. And for many years, this church has been doing beautiful actions towards the Tar family, allowing us to serve where God has called us. So, Jedejef, this morning, thank you for your beautiful action. It's fun to have uh, such a large part of my family. Had to pay my brother to come, but everybody else came willingly. That's not true. That's not true at all. But, it, you know, he is my older brother. So, you know, as when you're the younger brother, you take any opportunity you can to raz your older brother. So glad to have you here, Terry. And uh, we'll work out the details between us later. But uh, what, a, what a joy to be here. And uh, always fun to have my wife, Becky, with me. Uh, 
You know, about uh, 26 years ago, I met her. Her father was pastoring North Hollywood First Assembly at the time and went for their missions convention and became very clear that I wasn't going to get a monthly support from the church, so I took the pastor's daughter instead. And, uh, you know, you got to get inside track sometimes. And, uh, you know, the Lord's blessed us. We have three boys. In fact, because of Becky, I get to take a new name in West Africa in the, amongst the Ashanti people. If your wife has three sons in a row, then you as the husband get to take a good name, a new name, which is Mansa, which means completed. So I'm completed thanks to Becky. Thanks, babe. Appreciate all your hard work <laughs> so I could be completed. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, definitely married up, and I'm not quite sure at times why Becky married me, but there's a little African proverb that puts it in perspective. It simply says this, Rawenga sounds in key, which means that even an ugly man is better than a dead one. And, uh, yeah, some of you, some of you understand because you married up like I did. But uh, fun to have the three boys here. Luke is 22, Nathan is 18, Micah is 15, and uh, the neatest thing about them is they all love Jesus. So, hallelujah. The Lord has allowed us to minister in West Africa for almost 30 years now. When I was a 14-year-old living in Dapao in northern Togo, my parents were missionaries. I remember having a pity party on my 14th birthday and looking up to heaven and saying, Lord, I don't ever want to come back to Africa again. Words that you should never say to the Lord. But at the age of 17, I had a, a dream that I was going to be an airline pilot, make lots of money, and send my parents back to Africa. And uh, the Lord changed that dream and changed those plans. I was driving a red Fiat 128 and was really desperately hoping that if I saved enough money, I could buy a Triumph Spitfire. Because my older brother had sports cars, and so I thought I needed sports cars too. And uh, But... Uh, the Lord had other plans because, uh, unfortunately, that red Fiat 128 found the backside of a vintage 1960s Buick. You know, the kind that had those big steel bumpers on them, not like the plastic stuff they give us today. And it didn't do anything to the Buick, but it bent the frame on that 128, and I lost all of my investment. And later that day after the accident, I went and pitched a couple softball games, and my youth pastor, Earl, met me at the end of the second game, and he said, how did you do that? And I said, what, lose two games? We do that all the time, Pastor Earl. He said, no, how in the world did you pitch two softball games after being in that car wreck today? He said, did you see the car? And I said, well, no, I really didn't pay much attention to the car because I was so fearful of what my dad's reaction was going to be that I didn't look at the car. Dad was actually pretty cool with the whole thing. And... Uh, he took me back to the car, and I noticed that, obviously, I hadn't been wearing my seatbelt, and I'd bent that steering wheel forward, and I'd broken the windshield, but there wasn't a bruise or a scratch on my body. And Pastor Earl said, Randy, I think God wants to use you to do something. And about three weeks later, I felt a definite call from the Lord into full-time ministry, went to Central Bible College, and during that time, felt God leading me to missions and so in 1985, went to the country of Burkina Faso before coming back to the U.S. and meeting Becky. So thank you for allowing us uh, almost 30 years of ministry in West Africa. Let me take you very quickly to some places in West Africa where God has been doing great things. And during the last five years that we've been in Africa, 
three events stand out in my mind as significant about what God is doing in revival in West Africa today. The first one is this picture of the 50th anniversary celebration of the Assemblies of God of Cote d'Ivoire. For some reason, they asked me to be one of the speakers, and as I stood before 30,000 people, knees shaking, I was able to challenge them to do missions bigger and better than ever before, but it's so exciting to see the growth of this church from no Assemblies of God churches 50 years ago to now about a thousand mother churches in that, in that country with over a million members who attend every Sunday morning. Somebody say praise the Lord. <laughs> Becky and I had the privilege of training some of their key leaders at the West Africa Advanced School of Theology. Then to Togo where we lived for 11 years and where I lived as a child, and so exciting to see this picture of about 725, 730 Assemblies of God pastors that walked in. They serve all across that country. When Terry and I went to Togo for the first time in 1970, there was one Assemblies of God church in the city of Lome, a city of about 250,000 people at that time. This morning, they already had church, but in those 140 Assemblies of God churches in the city of Lome, somewhere between 40 and 45,000 people met to worship and praise the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody say hallelujah. <laughs> Take you to my favorite country in West Africa, Burkina Faso. And I was asked to be the speaker at their 75th anniversary in the region of Kudugu. Such a critical region inside of Burkina because this region has a vision for missions cool to think that 75 years ago there were nobody in villages that knew Jesus Christ. Today in 390 locations in just one region of the 27 regions of Burkina Faso, there are 390 churches. Hallelujah for what God is doing. But there are places in West Africa where the message hasn't yet been preached, where people still need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ for the first time. And so this morning, I want to talk for just a few moments about choosing to live beyond the world of the seen, because if the rest of the unreached people groups of our world are going to be reached, we must dare to look beyond the seen to the unseen. We live in a world that delights in instant gratification. We're pushed by consumerism to believe that we must have it now, and if we have it now, then we'll have joy and satisfaction. Here's a picture of the first weekend that iPhone 6 went on sale. Now, if you have an iPhone 6, don't raise your hand. I'm not going to condemn you for that. I'm glad you do. But here was the line in Manhattan, people waiting for the doors to open so they could get an iPhone 6. Now, if you had stock in Apple, you did well on that first weekend because 10 million sold on the first weekend. But that shows us how propelled we are to get the latest technology so we can have the latest high. So whatever comes with all of that. In fact, you know, we're coming up on one of the most dangerous shopping days of the year. Black Friday. I was on a website this morning that says they were selling T-shirts that said, I survived Black Friday 2014. You can go there if you want to. It's called Black Friday something. I can't remember the... But did you know that in the last 10 years on Black Friday in the United States, seven people have been killed and 90 people have been seriously injured? Now, why is that? Is that because there is a lack of product in the United States? No, it's because we think we have to be the first one to get it. Hmm. In fact, the funniest one, it's not really funny, but 
one guy in Kentucky who couldn't get his parking spot because somebody else had already taken, pulled out his gun and shot two people. Hmm. All because he needed to get it first. We live in an instant age of Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. It's all instant and it's all in real time. But I would suggest this morning that the kingdom of God calls us to live in a different realm. It calls us to live in a realm of delayed satisfaction. The best is not now. The best is yet to come. Do you believe it? It's not about the here and now. It's about what we're going to have during eternity with Jesus Christ around the throne forever and ever. Hallelujah. Did you know that even God lives in the state of delayed satisfaction? When Peter was writing in 2 Peter to the churches, somebody was saying, well, you've been telling us that Jesus is coming back quickly and he hasn't come back yet they could say that now 2,000 years later you the church you keep saying Jesus is coming and he hasn't come but this is what Peter says he says speaking of our God and our Savior he says he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance could it be that the heart of God to have every woman, every man, every child on the planet have an opportunity to enter into relationship with him trumps his need to come back immediately? He's chosen to live in delayed satisfaction, waiting for the church to take the good news to the ends of the earth, to every people group, to every person that hasn't yet heard. Apostle Paul talks about it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. This is what he says. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All of this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes. Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Every time I read verse number 17 in this text, I laugh. Because Paul has this wonderful gift of understatement. He says this, our light and momentary troubles. Now, if you know anything about the life of the Apostle Paul, light and momentary troubles are not words I would use to describe his ministry. In fact, 
a little bit later in the same book, he tells us about some of those light and momentary troubles. And I want you to lift your hand if you can identify with some of these things that the Apostle Paul went through in his goal of taking the gospel to the very ends of the earth. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. I don't see any hands going up. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Do you know why the Jews only gave somebody 39 lashes? Because they believed the 40th one would kill you. Now, aren't you glad? Third, five times he got 39 lashes. He was close to death that many times. And he calls that light and momentary troubles. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. And no, he was not in Colorado. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. That's what he calls light and momentary troubles. Surely, Our light and momentary troubles are a lot less than his, and yet he calls upon you and he calls upon me to fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but what is unseen, because in the unseen, God is doing eternal things for his kingdom. The world's greatest need is still for all to hear the good news of the gospel. You know, I come from a continent with a lot of problems. Ebola. As of this morning, over 5,800 people have died from Ebola. And yet, that's not the most critical need in Africa. There are millions of people in Africa who don't have any access to water. Yet, that isn't the greatest need in Africa. The greatest need in Africa is still for every woman, every man, and every child to have an opportunity to enter into a relationship with God eternal through his son, Jesus Christ. Let's run that video. The answer has always been because they are human. That's what they told me whenever I said, why do we care about domestic violence? Why do we care about the girl who can't speak? Why do we care about the one who committed suicide when she was just 16? Why can't we just focus on ourselves? The answer has always been because they are human. That's what our society believes. And that's why we do what we can to make sure their humanity is sustained, protected, and effective. You have the right to speak, the right to be silent, the right to breathe, the right to stop, the right to stand, the right to sit, the right to eat, the right to starve. You have the right, they say. But when it comes to what is right, we sit silent. But what are we so afraid about? And even if the answer is no, the Bible says go, so why are we so afraid to do so? When in his own word, he says, I have commanded you to share my word so that they can choose for themselves that they would serve me. Because when it comes down to it, the human affair is so much bigger than your fears. So child, please open your eyes to the bigger picture. It is not about you. It has never been about you. You've always been part of my body here now it is so temporary once they realize that they have a chance at a freedom a chance at some greatness don't you think it might change the way they live maybe 
You don't have to get on a podium or a soapbox and preach. Maybe you don't have to shout convictions down from the end of the street. Let them choose that they will drown. Let them choose that they will float. Who are you to remain silent when I am shouting so loud from this book that you keep shut in your closet? When he was beat for your freedom, when he bled for your freedom, believe me, he understood. He understood that the greatest thing you could ever do was hang on that tree for you. And he said, please, share my word. Take it throughout the nations, not just your neighborhood and not even just your block. But then you look at the big picture and you think, oh God, for what? There's so many people out there. Why don't one of them speak? And God says, I've ordained you with the mouth and the vocals to do so. Please, I have left you my spirit. That injustice only breeds when you remain silent and refuse to speak. So child, it is not just a calling. It is their right. opportunity in front of you with this Christmas program and these VIP passes. What a tool. What an easy way to invite somebody to a gospel presentation. You treat them as an honored guest. You invite them. They're going to hear the gospel and then they have a choice to make. We can't force people to accept Jesus Christ, but we can present them the gospel. And if they hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit is at work. And they can choose to say yes or no to that gospel. That's the burden that lies upon my heart, that lies upon each and every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ. Becky and I found ourselves at a very comfortable place in our missionary work in West Africa. We had been in Lome, Togo, off and on for 11 years. We attended a great church on the campus, ran about 1,500 people. Every time we walked into a store or somewhere in Lome, we often heard Christian radio. In fact, often our Christian radio station that broadcasts from the campus where we served. And the Lord began to stir our heart about the unreached of West Africa. Because if you go from Senegal over to Chad, there are about 200 unreached people groups who still have very few Christians among them or no Christians at all. So we left the comfort of that wonderful setting in Lome, Togo, and we went back to Senegal, where we had already served for eight years. We moved from the hearing the joyous sounds of Christians worshiping and praising God to hearing a quarter to sunup call to prayer from a thousand different mosques across that city. God is great. God is great, they declare. But they don't understand that in order to know that God who is great, you must come into contact with his son, Jesus Christ. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except by me. They're blinded by the prince of this world. We want them to be set free in the name of Jesus. 
There are some unreached people groups in West Africa. I want to talk about them for just a moment. Could talk about the Fulani. There are about 10 million Fulani across West Africa in different subsets. Very few of them are followers of Jesus Christ, and most of them have never had a clear presentation of the gospel. We could talk about the Tukalor. 1.3 million Tukalor and less than 50 known believers. We could talk about the Moors. 2.8 million Moors, the majority of them live in the country of Mauritania where conversion to Christianity is punishable by death. Who will go and learn Hassaniyah and be poured out so the Moors can hear the good news of Jesus Christ? We could talk about the Wolof. 5.5 million Wolof, most of them live in the country of Senegal. I greeted you in the Wolof language this morning. Less than 100 of them are followers of Jesus Christ. We desperately need a breakthrough in this resistant people group. What about the Soninke? 1.1 million Soninke, less than 10 of them are known to be followers of Jesus Christ. And that's just the beginning. That's just some of the larger people groups that we begin to target in the last few years. If the rest of the lost, unreached people groups of our world are to be reached, we must focus not on the seen, but on the unseen. The seen will sell us short of the goal of God to have people from every kindred, from every tribe, from every language group around his throne. The principle of moving our eyes from the unseen, from the seen to the unseen, calls us to live daring and radically in order to obey the plan of God says, I want to step beyond the seen to the unseen to fulfill God's plan. There was a church in the New Testament that got it. It was the Philippian church. This is what Paul says to them in Philippians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. As he's in prison, because of his faith in Jesus Christ, he writes this joyous letter to the Philippian church. And he tells them this, beginning with verse number 14. He says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Now, the Philippian church could have said, now, what good is Paul going to do while he's in prison? But they didn't because they understood the passion of Paul to win the lost. And so even while he's in prison, they're sending to support him and strengthen him in the work that God had called him to. Because they caught the vision of looking beyond themselves to the unreached places. They had caught a vision of looking beyond what they held in their hands to what they could do to advance the kingdom of God. Paul talks about that church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. He describes the condition of that Philippian church with these words. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity for I can tell I can testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability how in the world were they able to give beyond their own ability 
simply because they didn't look to what they had in their hand. They looked to the master who controls and can multiply what they had in their hand. Africa, a place I love. And I'm excited that in the midst of deep poverty, Africans are catching the vision to do mission. If I were to take you to Burkina Faso and Niger and Mali, you would see a lot of homes just like this. And for many rural African pastors, that's how they live, in a mud hut with a thatch roof, no electricity, definitely no Internet. And the only way they get running water is pouring water out of a bucket downhill. And yet, in the midst of that seeming disparity of, of, of having nothing, they're giving to missions because they believe that God can use them to advance the kingdom of God in their own setting and beyond. How do they do it? They trust him who is the master of controlling the unseen. There's some exciting things happening as we're partnering together with strong West African churches. I take you to Bilanga. There's a picture here of students. Bilanga is a school that we helped start a couple years ago in the eastern side of Burkina Faso amongst the Gurumanche people. The Gurumanche people have seen a great revival, and the Gurumanche people have a special relationship with the Fulani. Many of the Gurumanche speak Fulfulde. So we said, we're going to invest in this school and believe that the Gurumanche are going to reach out to their Fulufulde neighbors. And sure, that's what God is doing. Those neighbors pictured it, those students pictured in that photo, all of them speak Fulufulde, and all of them have believers who are Fulani in their local congregation. Hallelujah for what God is doing. I take you to northern Senegal. This is where the Tukalor live. We talked about the 1.3 million Tukalor. They live along that band of the Senegal River. How can we reach them? Well, here's one way we're trying to reach them. We've just started a primary school in a little town called Orosogi. Because we believe that it, maybe we can penetrate this people group by starting a school and training their children and building inroads, just like you're doing with your school here in La Palma to build inroads to the community and draw people to Jesus Christ. But the cool thing is that the Burkina Faso Church is working with us. They're going to send five pastors to work in that northern part of Senegal and help plant the church amongst the Tukalor people. Somebody say praise the Lord. The Apostle Paul, looking at the Philippian church, and I believe prophetically speaking to us today, about all of those who participate in this mission of reaching the lost, says these words. They're a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He says to me and to you that if we dare look beyond the seen, what we have in our hand, to the unseen where God is working, then God's promise is for us. My God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. It works in Greece. It works in America. It works in Africa. It works any place in the world where people dare to look beyond the seen to the unseen. The scene says, 
Consume it for yourself. Live for yourself. The unseen says, I can make a difference for eternity. The unseen says, I can take my life and change the world. Two things must come together if the unreached people groups of our world are going to be reached. Like Paul, we must have people who will see beyond and go. And maybe there are some of you here this morning and the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you about going. And I pray that if the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you, you won't keep it quiet, but that you'll come and see Pastor Steve and say, Pastor Steve, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with me. How do I engage in this journey of going so that the unreached someplace can hear the good news of Jesus Christ? In this world of multiple distractions, the Lord still needs his church to pray. If we're going to reach the unreached people groups of our world, we must intercede because many of them are resistant people groups. And the only way we're going to get in is if the walls that block the working of the spirit are broken down as God's people pray. Turn off the television. Shut down the Internet. And find ourselves on our knees. Working in the unseen. As we pray, as we intercede, as we touch the throne of God for people who have never heard the name of Jesus one time. Amazing things happen when you dare to sow to the unseen. Only God knows the results. In the mid-1960s, churches just like La Palma Christian Center sent a missionary couple by the name of Don and Virginia Corbin to Senegal, where Becky and I and the boys have been living most recently. Pastor Don was pastoring Evangel Temple downtown Dakar when one day a young Shiite Muslim by the name of Fauzi walked in. Fauzi was disillusioned with Islam, looking for truth, and he walked in that morning and heard a gospel presentation and ran to the front and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Fauzi had to flee for his life because his family wanted to kill him. And he fled to the country of Mali. And while he was in Mali, God got a hold of his heart and said, someday you'll be back here in Mali winning Muslims to Christ. He didn't know how it was going to happen. Over a series of events, he found himself here in the U.S. attending Bethany Bible College. He married an American by the name of Linda. And for the last uh, 37 years, they've been serving as missionaries in West Africa. And today, Fauzi is helping reach one of those unreached people groups. He's working amongst the Malinke people in Mali, winning one by one Muslim young men to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Why? Because somebody dared to sow to the unseen, and God who works in the unseen knew that there was a young Shiite Muslim who was disillusioned that needed to find him as his Lord and Savior, and if he could take that young Muslim man, he could use him to change the lives of thousands of people. When we sow to the unseen, God's at work, and only eternity will tell.
how many people will be around us tonight because we dare to say for the unseen. May God bless you this morning. Did anyone happen to write down the title of this message? What was the first word? That's it. Choosing. It's a choice, isn't it? It really is, rather. It's a choice. These numbers are staggering. I hope hope you don't shine them this morning. I hope they didn't just bounce off of you. Over 5 million. One of the the stats was, I think, 5.5 million and less than 50 people. Did I read that right? Less than 50 known believers out of 5.5 million. Are you getting this, church? (laughs) And we have an opportunity to do something about it. We may never go to West Africa, but by sending Randy and Becky and these guys, it's like we're going. You know, there is one verse that out of Philippians 4, you didn't didn't highlight. Verse 17, you, you you read above it and you read after it, but verse 17 is interesting. The Apostle Paul talking about giving. Basically, he's saying, now, I'm not talking to you about giving for my own benefit. Not that I seek the gift, the Apostle Paul says. But I seek the fruit that will abound to your account. We need a harvest coming up all the time, don't we? How are, you, how are you going to receive a harvest? Notorious, how will we receive a harvest? Well, we, we have to plant. <laughs> Imagine planting into the unseen, making a choice, choosing. To say, Randy and Becky, we believe in you. We thank God for you. And please stay out there doing this. This is what our gift will do. It will send them. I want the ushers to prepare. We're going to receive an offering for the cars. And this is an investment, church. It's an investment in African soil. It really is exciting to me. Because I see it. I see us planting seeds, really. That's what our our money, our giving will will do. It's planting seeds in, in soil. They've been turning the soil for years. Working the ground building relationship and rapport with people. All we have to do is just plant seeds. They're doing all the work. They really are. 
Do you need some seed? You need some seed, Becky? Here's an anointed teacher. God's going to give you such great, great harvest, I see, in, in, the, in that teaching arena. You need some seed. This sister needs some seed. All we have to do is just give them seed. And they're going to work. I believe that they're going to work so hard to try and reach people for Christ in, in West Africa. I want you to get an offering ready. If you're writing a check, and I encourage it, write a fat one. Write a big one. Write it to La Palma Christian Center if you don't mind, and we're going to make sure that the cause are blessed today. Father, thank you so much for Randy and Becky and your boys. Thank you for calling them, equipping them, strategically placing them. God, we ask that you just continue to advance them and give them favor on every turn. Bless these seeds. May they produce a great, great harvest, God. We give you praise. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone. I love the prayer card. It's postcard size. I like that. This isn't a little business card you're going to tuck in your wallet. They want your prayers, so they've made it substantial. I like that, Randy. You got some good-looking boys now, good-looking family. Thank God for Becky's jeans, right? They have a whole stack of these, so everybody really could, could take one. of These are our missionaries. These aren't just some guests that we've come in, that we brought in to just speak. I don't need somebody to fill the pulpit. You understand what I'm saying? I'm trying to put some of our missionaries in front of you so you can feel that heartbeat. You can, you can get a sense of what's going on. They need our prayers, not just seeds of money. They need our seeds of prayer. Take this card and put it on your refrigerator. Put it somewhere that you'll be reminded to pray for Randy and Becky. I want you to come and stand right here. Bring your boys if you don't mind. Guys, could we just pray for you and before we dismiss here today? This is kind of part of what we do. I want all of our mission team, if you've, if you've been part of our mission team, I want you to come. All of our pastors and elders, really anybody who feels led, if you want to just come and let's surround our heroes. Randy, Becky, you guys are our heroes. You really are. We so believe in you, and we thank God for you and all that you're doing. Hallelujah. Debbie, I'm going to hand the microphone to you, and I feel like you're to pray over our missionary family today. So just let the Lord use you to pray a prayer of blessing and provision for them. Our Heavenly Father, we just praise you for this precious family, God. This family that said yes when you asked them. When you called, when you made that call, and they said yes to you, Father God. We just praise you, Father God, for their obedience, oh God. We just pray for a special anointing, God, a power and of might, Father God, that you will provide their every need financially, physically, and spiritually, oh God. That you, Father God, would just embrace them and hedge them in with a mighty wall of fire, a fresh unction and anointing upon each and every one of them. That you would use them wherever they go, Father God. That you
you would open doors that no man can shut. Oh, Father God, that you would make a way, Father God, that you would open the oceans and, the, and whatever rivers or whatever it may be that may rise up against them, that you would tear it down like you did Jericho, Father God, and that you would bring them forward, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, God, have your way. Have your way. Shine through them, Father God, in them and through them, touching lives and doing great things, especially in these last days, that all those who see them, God, that they would see you. You would flow through them. They would see Jesus glorified in them, oh, God, and they would be drawn to them, Father God. Oh, we thank you, Father God, for what you're doing and what you're going to continue to do in their lives, Father God. To you, we give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise, oh God. In Jesus' holy, mighty name we pray. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen today. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Pastor Creighton, if you would escort the TARS out to the foyer, I just want everybody to shake your hand and hug your neck before we leave here today. Everyone standing, please. It has been good to be in the house of the Lord. We're so glad you've come today. Please come back. But for now, we dismiss you in the name of the Lord. Go with God, be blessed, and be a blessing.